begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris Milton and Ben here for Outer Rim Transmission. This is episode 142. This episode, we're talking all about the Bad Batch and Battlefront 2 Classic. Yeah, who knew about that coming for an announcement this week? So we're going to get into a lot of Star Wars goodness this week. Ben, I know you had something you wanted to mention right off the top of the show. Oh, yeah. So to hop right into like kind of our uh, our week in Star Wars, you know, I for any of our, you know, media, pop culture consuming fans, you, you would have seen the new Avatar The Last Airbender series came out on Netflix on Thursday. And like, um, you know, just like a mini little review on it, you know, hey. It's not, of course, the original animated series. And, you know, it's like, it's just like Star Wars. Nothing will ever beat the original. But for this series, for what it is, it's good. It's a fun, nice series. The episodes are all 45 plus minutes long, so it's nice. Um, you know, I'm halfway through the series, but the reason I bring this up is because one of our, you know, more, f I would say, fan favorite side characters from the Mandoverse is making a prominent appearance. He's in every episode of Avatar pretty much so far, and that is Paul Sung Lee, who is Carson Teva um, in the Mandoverse. And for the Avatar show, he's Uncle Iroh. And and for any Avatar fan out there, you know, Uncle Iroh is like one of the main most um, critical characters of the Avatar series because he's like guiding Prince Zuko, and he's like, he's kind of like... The cool thing with his character... Um, is he's like a good, even though he's on the bad guy, even though he's on the Fire Nation side, he's he's kind of like the moral compass character on the bad side. And the good thing is with Paul Sung Lee's performance, like he really kind of portrays that really well in this series. Like it it fits. I I think it you know it, it does well for the original Uncle Iroh character from the Avatar animated show, and it's cool because you really. Um, you really like see him portray that kind of like moral compass to Prince Zuko, who's like the lead villain. Um, even though he's on the bad side, like you still see that. So because he sees more of like the bigger picture, of like not just like the Fire Nation versus the other nations. Like he's, you know, he kind of like, you know, just sees sees, um, you know, kind of like the middle ground, like the gray ground. So it's it's pretty cool seeing him um, portray Uncle Iroh. And the cool thing about it is like he has he picked up he must have like watched some of the the series like in preparation or something cuz like he, he picked up on some of the like the character like the the comedic timing of the character mm. um he 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 uh you know he picks up on that really well because like you'll for example Chris you'll have like Prince Zuko who's like the lead like I said villain and he's pretty much like a young you know guy in his 20s who wants to prove his dad who's Fire Lord Ozai also fun fact Anybody who's watched the Avatar series, Mark Hamill played Fire Lord Ozai in the original series. Oh. Um, but, like, Prince Zuko, you know, is just, like, this, like, hard-edged villain, like, hey, I want to prove my dad right, blah, 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 blah. And then here's Cars here's um, Paul Sung Lee's Uncle Iroh, you know, like, Zuko's saying, like, hey, let's hunt down the Avatar, blah, 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 blah. And Uncle Iroh's saying, hold on, we got to stop and, like, sit down and have tea and rice right now. And, like, you know, in all these serious moments, like, he's like, whoa, slow it down. Like, we'll, we'll get to the Avatar eventually, but we're, we got to, we got to hydrate a little. Um, oh, so, man. Yeah, so it's, it's great seeing him in this series like this. Um, it's definitely, like, he's definitely a really enjoyable part of the series. And it, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Like, I've seen, um, some, some videos going around on social media this weekend like okay. um 
like Paul Sung Lee was talking about it. Like when he first got casted for this show, he uh, he he thought he got casted for like a basketball high school show where he'd be like a coach what? or something. Yeah, because because they had the script so secretive. And he said a month later, he said he got a call back that he got casted as as whatever like Howard or something. And he said, "Wait, is I got casted for that basketball show?" Oh, and then they called man. him and they called him and said, "No, no, 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 no. You're playing like one of the most important characters of the Avatar: The Last Airbender series." So like that's how he ended up actually getting that. And it's just great because, like I said, it, it's cool. I love seeing Star Wars actors and other things, especially in something like Avatar, which is like such a fan beloved show. And like he's he's really doing that character justice. And it's great seeing like like to me for like especially for, like, the hardcore, like, Avatar fans, like, you'll know, um, it's great seeing Paul Sung Lee kind of carry this legacy on of Uncle Iroh, because unfortunately the, uh, the actor who played him, um, died, like, you know, mm. al almost, they were, they were about, uh, I think they were in, like, the third or fourth season and he passed away. Wow. So, like, it's great seeing, like, you know, Paul Sung Lee kind of carry this legacy on of the Uncle Iroh character, and he's doing a very good job with it. So that was kind of my week in Star Wars, just seeing like a Star Wars actor in another really popular medium that other Star Wars actors, as well as Dave Filoni, has even been involved in with the animated series. So it's just cool seeing like Star Wars kind of bleed over into some more like popular franchises. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, there's a huge live action anime craze. Oh, I'm going to get flamed already. I just said this is an anime. I know that's like. <laughs> you know, that's like naming Voldemort, you know, who should not be named in Harry Potter. You don't call Avatar an anime, whatever you do. Um, so, yeah, stop the comments. I know I'm correcting myself, everybody. But uh, it looks like, okay, for me, it looks like anime. I don't know. I've always felt that way. But, no, it's cool to see. Yeah, I didn't know if he was going to be a bad guy or a good guy or w w what his deal was in general because I've never watched the original series on Nickelodeon, I think it aired or something like that. But... Yeah, a lot of hype around it. A lot of hype around it. I'm happy that you enjoy it. I'm not sure if I'll if I'll check it out. Um, but it is always fun to just see a, a Star Wars actor pop up in anything, whether it be after they played a role in Star Wars or before they played a role in Star Wars. There's always always something special special about that. Oh yeah, it's it's always like a it's always like a really nice time getting to see the Star Wars actors being involved in it. And the funny thing was at first funny story. I had to pause the first episode of Avatar because when I saw him, I forgot, I forgot um, Paul Sung Lee was playing in this show. And when I Ooh. saw uncle Iroh, I was like, man, that guy looks like mega familiar. And I paused it and I like literally got up and stood in the middle of my living room. I looked at the TV. I was like, man, he looks really, 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 really familiar. And I, and I had to look up the cast and I looked it up and was like, Oh dang, that's Carson Teva. Like, I forgot about that. So it's just uh it's just really cool getting to see him um play that character and like I said he's doing it in a really I think a really good way. Um you know, he like I said he he really brings over kind of like that good kind of like moral compass for the villain side mm -hmm. of things which um you know, which can be hard to translate from an animated sense to a live action sense just because of the way the characters looked or, you know, emote, especially with like animated type characters. Mm. So, um, you know, he's, he's done a really good job at it. And, um, I'm excited to see the back half of this season. Cause I'm going to finish that up sometime this week as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was kind of my, my week in star Wars.
Excellent, excellent. Millet, I want to bring you into the conversation. Uh, when it comes to you and, and anime and uh, character crossing over in Star Wars, I mean, the thing I know you've gone on and on about is how much you love Star Wars Visions, especially that first season, uh, the duel and right. different things like that. So I don't know if you have any interest in, in, in seeing more Star Wars actors in this kind of style of, of, of uh, storytelling and whatnot. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I'd enjoy it no matter what. I mean, I think it depends on what the story is and how they're going to tell it. Whether it's in, uh, you know, anime form, live action, uh, it doesn't matter. Three way animation. As long as they tell a good story, I'm about it. If they want to pull in Mark Hamill to, to voice over uh, a character, which we've seen him do before in other animations mm-hmm. and whatnot, it's cool. You know, if, if I mean, look at. Uh, I mean, Sam Witwer, he's voiced other characters besides character Star Wars and other properties in animation or whatnot. I believe um, Katie Sackhoff has done the same thing. So mm-hmm. you pull in all these great actors who are not just great live action actors. They do a really good job at voicing because they're so involved with the animation side of Star Wars. So I- I'm all about it. If they tell a good story, no matter what medium it is, whatever property or IP that they decide to venture out, I will pay attention to it. I mean, Mark Hamill is a perfect example of this guy not only has played Luke Skywalker in real mm-hmm. in Star Wars, but he's done various characters in animation, i.e. the Joker, and he's played another iconic character, I think, uh in voice who else did he do that well Mil- Milton remember remember even in our in our good old Arrowverse in the Flash he kinda played that pseudo Joker metahuman that was kinda like the Joker even. Yeah that's um that's that's the trickster. Yeah, the trickster. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's played. Um, who's Futurama? He's he's the guy in Futurama, isn't he? Yep, yep. He's like, one of the main like, dudes on Futurama. Yeah. It was like I'm all about him or any other actor that decides to venture into another property because again, that's what they're paid to do, and they're very talented to do so. Um, but yeah, I think that's always dope if they can translate into that particular realm of of you know entertainment. Yeah, so we'll we'll keep our ears to the ground. We'll we'll keep our ears peeled on the screens for any incoming shows that might have Star Wars actors. I'm not sure of any off the top of my head. I would love to see a Star Wars actor make the jump into like the the Game of Thrones era. Oh wait, they already have. They already have General Veers, <laughs> Grand Meister Pycelle himself was in Game of Thrones pretty heavily actually. But uh, hey, what about? Oh, House I didn't realize that was him. Yeah. Oh dang! I, I I didn't know that until breaking news. I didn't know that until just literally blew right your now. mind. I just blew your mind on that. You gotta love when mm. you have those realizations. But yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to look up one of his scenes after this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Julian Glover is the name of that actor. Julian Glover. Yeah. Mm. And as far as me, I don't have anything to report this week, but I'm gonna have a heck of a lot to report next week for my week and i'll leave it at that so i'll I'll throw the ball over to you for if you had anything of note other than watching some awesome star wars animation i don't know um this week wasn't really much involved with star wars except for um probably a little bit yesterday um hanging out with with the lady with the lady friend and we were playing some video games and Ah. um i actually showed her super star wars on super nintendo (laughs) nice so, because we were playing uh, Tetris and Frogger on the Super game's kind of hard too. Yeah, exactly. And I was telling her, I was like, "Yeah, this game. I played this when I was a kid, and you know, it was really tough. And 
I said before you had the cheat codes, you actually had to like get the get the gamer books and walk through it. But I showed her like Super Empire a little bit, and I said, "Could you probably play that?" She's like, "Heck no," because it's so like intensive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so she she really enjoyed watching me play that for a short period of time. The day before that, we went to the arcade, oh. um, and <clears throat> I tried to play Star Wars Arcade, but it was broken again. So I was kind of pissed about that. I wanted to show her what that game was all about because that's my favorite arcade game of all time. Is that mm. Super Star Wars Arcade? Mm-hmm. I think it was by Way or someone who created it, but yeah, so dope. But that would have been my week if we would have been able to play the game. Ah, dang it, dang it. We got it. We got to get those people over there to fix that game already. It's been too long. Got to experience the glory of the Star Wars Arcade game. It, it, I agree. Literally, every time I get a chance to get near arcade, that's the first game I'm looking for because that's the only one I like to play. <laughs> oh, yeah. Such greatness. Such greatness. Well, there you have it. Getting into the show proper, we have some housekeeping as always. So if you're interested in finding this show on YouTube, you can just look up youtube.com slash Raptor. We go live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Don't worry, if you miss the show, you can always watch a replay of it on the channel. And if you are watching this live, please go ahead, leave a live comment, leave a comment after the fact, and you could always download us on your fo- favorite podcast streaming app of your choice, Spotify, Apple, and please on any platform, please give us a like, please give us some kind of review to help spread the message that Adam Transmission has a positive Star Wars community where we love to talk about the galaxy far, far away. So we have just one notable release this week, well, other than three episodes to talk about, and that was Star Wars issue number 43. Big, big issue came out. Me and Matthew over at the Star Wars Underworld channel on the tractor beam talked all about this episode. Uh, it's the episode? It's it's episode. I, I, I get these confused all. Issue. Marvel comic issue. We talked about it over there. Luke Skywalker-centric vision quests uh, where he's using a green lightsaber for the first time inside the, the a red kyber crystal. It, it's a very metaphysical kind of experience that luke goes through between empire and return of the jedi so we get into all that i also have my review on the channel for that specific comic if you want like a quick rundown five minutes or less i have that on the channel right now so i think this also came out this this huge news ben came out on wednesday i think right after pad batch the nintendo direct you know they have these little showcases of oh these games are coming out they had their partner showcase and Honestly, I was I was fast forwarding through this thing because it just uploaded. I'm like, let me let me like try to see the good stuff in the preview windows. I'm just, it's like 22 minutes. I don't want to sit through all this. And I seen some Star Wars, and I gotta admit, in the little like preview image as I'm moving my cursor along the timeline, I'm like, oh my gosh, are they are they announcing a release date for Star Wars Hunters? I got excited. I gotta admit, I got excited. It's like, oh my gosh, I clicked right to that spot. It was like, this looks way old compared to Hunters. Mm-hmm. And like, oh my gosh, this is the original Battlefront, everybody. And yeah, there we go. We have Asper, who is putting together not only Battlefront 2, but Battlefront 1 and 2, one $30 or $35 package, something like that, for all systems. At first, this was only thought to be on PlayStation and Nintendo, but later on that day, we got the confirmation that every platform is getting this game and the big, big... Uh, selling point in this is the fact that they're bringing live servers to the game. You're going to get 64 multiplayer action across DLC maps, expanded characters like Asaz Ventress and Kit Fisto, 
a whole bunch of new game modes that weren't in the original game. So much goodness is in this. And I know, Ben, I got to get your thoughts on this first because I feel like you mentioned this game once a month. So what was your reaction to seeing yeah, I was, like, this remaster? I was, I was about ready to have some drinks for this game because that was such a great, <laughs> great news headline. Like At first I was like, that's awesome, it's Nintendo. And then it was like, oh no, it's PlayStation. And it just kept escalating. And then like a couple hours later, it was like, oh yeah, Xbox tweets it too. And I'm like, holy crap. And the fact... <laughs> Like, I was just stunned. I had I had two of my cousins call me in that day and my best friend call me. And then I have you guys messaging in the group chat and like it's all over social media. And like people were just buzzing about it. Like Star Wars Battlefront was trending that day on Twitter. And it's you know, it's a 20-year-old game. So like it was just so cool seeing like the fan excitement around that game. The facts. Because at first my first thought too was like Wait, why am I gonna pay thirty five dollars for games that are on the yeah. Xbox Store for five for five bucks a piece? And I look into it, and it's online play, so you can have thirty two on thirty two battles. So, like, you know, with that capability, you know, we'll be able to like load up into a space mission, for example, and you'll have people that are in starfighters, you'll have people <laughs> that are that you'll have people that are inside the command ships. And the cool oh. thing is, so like, so like for example, Chris, like, um. If you don't remember, like, so with the original Battlefront 2, the way it worked was in the space missions, it's really cool. So you have the dogfight outside the ship, and then you can you can pinpoint and take out different parts of the ship, like the bridge, the engines, etc. But also, so for example, if you're playing as the um, as the uh, as like the Empire, you'll load up in you'll. Um, you'll have like your little ships, like your TIE fighter, your TIE bomber, your um, your TIE interceptor, and then you'll have a like a Lambda class shuttle, and you can mm -hmm. load up eight pe like six or eight people into the shuttle, wow. and you can literally go in and land inside the Rebel, like the like the um, like the big Rebel cruisers. You can land in the docking bay, and then you can unload your ship, and you can literally get out and go inside the Rebel cruiser and go like inside like literally inside to the in innards of the ship. And like, you can go down to the engine room, take out yep. the engines in the ship, like take out the shield generator, all this stuff, and then get back into your ship and leave. And like, you know, there's so much like in-depth things like that for the game, even though it's a 20 year old game. So like, that's going to be a blast, like being able to like play those modes with people now, or like even like some of the basic modes, like, you know, yeah, you have your hunt modes, like where you hunt, like hunt Tuscans or whatever. <laughs> you have like your basic, you know, um, because the tu the the Tuscan mode's fun because it's Jawas versus Tuscans. Um, so like you have that, but like you know, there's so many different modes on there, and like I said, the fact that they're bringing it back online is amazing because it's like, you know, look, I mean. It's just crazy to begin with that they're bringing it back online for Battlefront 1 as well. That was mm. a big shocker for me because I figured it would just be Battlefront 2 and then you look into it and it's like, no, it's Battlefront 1 as well. And like, there's a lot of good charm about the first game as well that's not even in the second game. So like, you have those type of things. Um, but the I think the main thing for me as well with this is, with this like random drop, it makes me wonder... In the background of one of those studios, have a uh, a Battlefront three in development because like you know you go and like hype up this release of this game and all this stuff and like who knows like what later this summer or fall or something are we gonna get an announcement at like a at like the the gaming 
awards or whatever this 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 winner is being like, hey, Star Wars Battlefront three in development, blah blah blah, or something. Like it just makes me wonder if this is kind of like that because it's like, why would you go and even mess with a a twenty year old game? Yeah, there's a lot of implications um, that could possibly be happening here. I mean, this could be, like you said, a way for Lucasfilm Games to put out feelers to be like, are people, if people buy this game in droves. I bought it already. I bought it. I I pre-ordered it. 56 gigabytes. It's a big game. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's the thing is in this case, it's like vote with your, with your wallet, right? If they see that this thing sells like 5 million copies, it's like, okay, maybe we should actually get a team to make another star Wars, like battlefront game the right way this time without, you know, crappy predatory microtransactions and nonsense like that. So there's very much a possibility of that happening because the first thing that happened when I seen this get announced is so many people saying, bring back Battlefront, like a new game, like, or bring back the old Battlefront 2 2017, add content to that. Obviously that team has moved on. Half those people at DICE don't even work there anymore. So they're going to have to spin up a new team. Just get the Call of Duty guys, you know, to, to start making it you know xbox owns activision now just get the activision guys to start making it and put it multi-plat i don't know what you could do but i mean milton throwing it over to you you're you're you know we're always talking classic games i know battlefront 2 uh is definitely one of those kind of games so what's your reaction to this announcement it's the smartest thing that they can do like i, I look and i'm gonna come out and just say it there's not one disappointed person who was not excited about this announcement. Legit, I didn't hear about this until later in the day because I was working. I think the first time I heard it was from you guys. You, like, tagged me in it. And I looked at it quickly. I was like, oh, okay, they're bringing it back. Cool. And then I'm driving home that day. My brother's like, did you see the announcement about Battlefront? I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, the compatibility. Now, I missed that part in the original message. And I was like, oh, they're bringing it back for all platforms. And I'm like, and that's the smartest thing they, they can do because, one, we still love that game. When I say we, people who are in their 30s and 40s who grew up with that game, hell, probably guys in their 50s who grew up with that game, it still, it's, it still keeps up till this day on PS2 or whatever system you got it for. That's how great it is. Now, imagine putting it on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, mm. 360 with modern technology. We've been saying this forever. Go back to the old games and modernize them and put them on a system. We'll buy them. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we said that? You said, Milton, you've you've had so many <laughs> rants on this podcast the past few years of us doing this show talking about bringing back some of these old games and people will people will pay for it. And look, I mean, literally the day it drops, I spent thirty five dollars on the game. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I haven't I haven't paid for it yet. Again, I'm going to because I want to get a. PS5, and this is what's been so hyped the last week and a half, is that we got the official announcement of college football finally. Oh, yeah. We're getting Battlefront. It's like, bro, this is a this is a 90s kid, 80s kid, you know, dream, bro. Like, you're giving us all these old games we love. Hell, yep. bring back Mega Man at this point and put on yeah. a free PS5 or Xbox. I'm all <laughs> up. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm about, I'm about having a nostalgia meltdown this week. <laughs> make super star wars and you know make that more modernized i'd pay for that <laughs> easily yeah. because yeah. i don't the new stuff because it doesn't land with me the story yeah. t- isn't great in most of these new games the old lucas arts game for fire and, it, and a lot of it was their storytelling you know and it, it kept you engaged mm-hmm. and the biggest thing 
it was very replayable and you never got tired of it. I don't know anybody who's complained about the original Battlefront 1 and 2 and saying, oh, hate that game, hate playing it. Man, people are still hunting for that game, and it's 2024. Yeah, well, Milton... Well, well, Milton, like, one of the best parts of that game, I'm sure you're going to do it, like, as soon as it comes out, too. Like, of course, like, the online play, but, like, we'll be able to potentially do, like, co-op and play the campaign, like, the Rise of the Empire campaign, where you go from the Battle of Geonosis clear to the Battle of Endor as a clone trooper. And it's literally Tamara Morrison, like, narrating as the clone trooper. Right. Which, which you know, which you know they're going to bring him back to edit some stuff, make it more modernized, like, maybe yep. add log which would be dope again smart move they, they should do that again ea and lucasfilm hire your boy you know what i'm saying i'll make this shit right but like oh. to me it's it, it's it's a beautiful thing that lucasfilm one they're, they're smart enough to say look we're, we're going to monetize this people are going to pay for it like that's that's the number one thing but i think they have enough fan base out there that's saying hey this is what the fan base actually wants yeah. and it's not it's not like we're going to be weird about it and demand more. I've been saying it, and Ben, you've said this. Star Wars fans aren't that hard to please. No, it's, 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 I say it so often. I just said this to my cousin the other day when I, me and him were talking about like the state of Star Wars as a whole with movies and shows and like all the roller coaster rides we've had with Star Wars over the past, you know, 10 years now, basically. Like, like Star Wars fans aren't that hard to please. Like, 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 like when it comes to the movies and shows, give us a solid, you know, B plus, A minus type story with some action and some solid actors and people will like it. And then even um, with the video games, you know, just give us a game with a solid story, good action mechanics, um, you know, get, you know, trigger some of the nostalgia stuff that people love because no matter how much people complain on social media and see like this is one thing i always i love just riffing on people about on social media is like people like go on social media and like dog on nostalgia but then the first nostalgic thing they see they freak out about so it's like people no people are in denial that you, you, people can say it all they want but like they love nostalgia i mean look that's why so many people went and bought battlefront you know, this past Wednesday, I mean, like, mm -hmm. like literally when you typed in Star Wars Battlefront on Wednesday, you could just keep refreshing yeah. and refreshing and refreshing and refreshing. And it's just all these good, good, good comments. And literally Milton, like my first thought was like, man, see, like Milton's getting proven right again, because <laughs> it's just all this good, positive reinforcement about a 20 year old game. It, it made me laugh, Ben, because you had showed the, the screenshot of you purchasing the game. And I'm looking at the download. I'm like, why the hell is this 15-year-old game like over 50 gigabytes? <laughs> I just it's like, 56. What in the that's, world? That's the best way to do it. Like don't if, if you're going to bring back something classic like that, just give us the whole damn thing and modernize it, make it better cuz we're going we're, we're going to give here's my money. You know what I'm saying? Like we're going to give it to you. Yeah. It's like that the best thing about nostalgia, is, especially if it's good, is that people really do tie that to their good times of chill, as children. And then they can say, oh, my God, if I have kids, I can share this with my children. Yeah. Oh, you know, 100%. The, because that's, that's how games live on forever. You know, because how many times have we we've probably talked to our parents about games that they played when they were kids and they might have shared with us that we might have liked or shows that, we might have liked that they really like growing up and we keep watching them as we get older and older. That's how these things stay immortalized. Well, well, Milton, 
like personally with me, like like with like lately, um, you know, over the past few months since November, I just I've slowly, you know, I mentioned it here on the podcast here and there, I've slowly been rewatching Arrow. I just finished up season three with Raza Ghoul and all this stuff. And it's nostalgia for me because like Arrow is a fun show. And it was one of my one of my most fun shows in the 2010s watching it. And, you know, it, it is one of the reasons, like, I got into fitness and stuff to begin with. So, like, you know, when you watch a show like Arrow or you play, like, a game like Battlefront or whatever, like, you you love that, um, like, that nostalgic hits and stuff. And, um, you know, we have a really good time with it. I mean, look, like, like you opened the podcast talking about, like, playing old Star Wars games with your girlfriend and stuff. Like, so... You know, like people love that sort of stuff. Oh yeah, and and to be clear, so this Battlefront Classic Collection, it's not a remake; it's a remaster. So they're not adding remaster. like new mechanics or anything. It's literally game preservation at its finest form. Where it's like, okay, we have these new TVs that support 4K and widescreen. Back then, we didn't even have widescreen, so they're basically making it so it adapts to the TVs what they are doing the biggest overhaul is they're adding new textures to the actual models and the environment so it's like an overlay skin if you will on top of these characters so they don't look like rough from like the early 2000s like they're all smooth they look you know decently enough for for 4k image and all that sort of thing that's why the game is 50 gigabytes because 4k is uh pretty pretty heavy yeah Right, I said I guarantee you the game is still gonna play fairly smooth. Oh yeah, compared thousand and whatever it was. Like they're going to add some things to make it more compatible, obviously for the systems and you know and the the the, the modes that they're playing with. But I just feel like it's the smartest move, man. Like it's just a smart move to sit there and say, okay, if Battlefront's a hit, as we know it probably will be, let's not go. Let's go back and you know do Force Unleashed one and two. Yeah, let's go. Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, really. Let's go to, um, Kenobi. Uh, We've been banging the table for Kenobi. <laughs> yeah. So let's go, right. Oh my God! If, we, if they give us that one, if they give us Kenobi off of Xbox, it's wrap. Well, it's wrap. Look, look at this, guys. I mean, next week we have the Dark Forces remaster coming out. The original Star Wars FPS that came out on PC. That's supposedly now. Now I'm a little bit worried because I have not seen. You can't even buy the game yet. And when they officially announced it, it said February 28th, which is next Thursday, and we cannot pre-order the game yet. So I'm, mm. I'm waiting on bated breath thinking, oh, they might have a last minute like delay or something with that game. But I mean, it seems like Lucasfilm, uh, Milton, that's the way they're going. So it's just a matter of, okay, what's next after Dark Forces, after Battlefront, maybe, you know, Republic Commando. They've, I think that's been decent to play i don't i know you could buy that on switch now and everything but um who knows probably yeah. do probably, probably jedi outcast they can probably do hmm. um pro squadron they can probably do oh yeah uh, je, uh what's the what was a pod racer one jedi race was it racers or yeah, they have that. yep yep i mean it, it's unlimited bro i mean hell they want to redo super star wars and super empire and jedi i'm buying it I mean, mm-hmm. I, bro, you got me locked in. There you go. There you go. Um, you, know, you know what? You know what they just need to release. This is my my pitch to them. Be like, yo, Lucasfilm, just give us this like hundred dollar pack of all these remastered games, like a big bonus, like a big pack with like twenty games in it. Oh, easily. Yeah, they have something like Can that for for Microsoft. They have the Rare Replay, which is literally like thirty rare games in one big package. So you know, they yeah. could do that. 
So there you have it. Uh, not news I expected to get when we have three big Star Wars episodes to talk about tonight. But uh, yeah, Lucasfilm was feeling very generous this week. So we'll see throughout the the, the uh, tenure of the Bad Batch airing if we're going to get any more massive news like this to talk about alongside episode reviews. So we're going to get into our reviews. That for is the premiere. Also, 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 I do want to throw out there for anybody wondering, that is March 14th when it comes out. Yeah, literally like three weeks away. It's insane how closely they, they just announced it and they're dropping it. So, yeah, get ready. Get ready. And like Ben said, you can pre-order it now if that's something you like to do. So, we're talking about The Bad Batch Season 3, Episode 1, Confined Episode 2, Paths Unknown, and Episode 3, Shadows of Tantus. I'm going to throw it over to you, Ben, for first thoughts. We're going to talk about these um, episodes, by the way, as like they're one giant episode because I feel like that's how you experience them. At least that's how I watched them three in a row. Not not putting words to your mouth, guys, but yeah. that's how I watched them. So, okay, I was I was gonna say, are we talking about them as a whole or just do one, two, three? Let's just talk about them as a whole. It's the premiere. Okay, okay. build as the premiere. We'll just you know. Okay, okay, yeah. So for me overall, I think this this premiere was very good. Like it hit all the notes you wanted to hit. It it, it gave me a major relief because I'm not kidding you. I I went to bed Tuesday night and said to myself, all right please lucasfilm please let this be a good premiere because you know we've had a roller coaster relationship with this show so yep. i didn't know what to expect from the beginning so i was just like please let it be good and i and i see people or i, I wake up and i i watch the three episodes and then i see all this good positive reaction on social media and it's like hallelujah like people had it well received so like community seemed to like it i really enjoyed it because i thought the first episode was done really well. It was a nice intro um, back into the series, back into Mount Tantus. And then even the um, the second episode with the, the Bad Batch crew and then the clones, also one of those clones was Daniel Logan. But yeah. you have, uh, you know, that little side episode was good because, see, this is the thing, is in normal years past for Bad Batch, that type of an episode would be considered a filler, but... It contributed to the story to progress the characters more toward finding Omega, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it just wasn't a throwaway episode, you know. So I really liked that. And then, of course, the best episode, of the, in my opinion, was the third one because you have Mount Tantus, you have Omega, you have Crosshair, and then you have the whole mystery of Palpatine showing up. Like, what's what are they looking at at Mount Tantus? And like, you know, I mentioned it going into the premiere last week for. So many of us hardcore Legends fans, they did something like we would have thought we would have never seen before. Like, you know, I've been I've been listening to these Legends books um, over the past year now. And like, you know, we're literally seeing a live action or not a live action, but an animated on screen Mount Tantus. And I would have never thought we would have seen that. And the cool thing is, like, they did it justice. Like, you know, the mm -hmm. descriptions kind of from like the 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 OG books. You know, it fits that description. Like Palpatine talks about like the abominations here at Mount Tantus and things like that. And like, you know, like that fits literally like like Mara Jade in the in those OG books talks about, you know, the abominations oh. of Mount Tantus. Like, you know, you have that almost exact wording from wow. the OG books, and then you have, you know, like like just that sort of thing, like being a Legends fan, getting this even played out in Bad Batch is cool. And like they even like have have like just the environment set up well from from those old books like you know those the dogs that are chasing omega and mm -hmm. and crosshair i mean that literally is 
pretty much the Bornskers from the original books that are chasing Luke and Mara through the Mount Tantus woods. No, like, wow. so it's like, yeah, so it, it's, it's very, very, very similar. And, and like, so all of this external stuff combined with what we see on screen just made this premiere perfect as being like such a big Star Wars fan that I am, such a big Legends fan that I am. It just was like a perfect storm. And then you have the Battlefront news on top of all this stuff. So it was like, to me, like Wednesday was such a great day for Star Wars. And like this premiere just really topped it off like perfectly, like because I just had no issues with it. It was just a really good time. And, you know, I'm sure Milton will talk about this, but man, Ian McDermott killed it as Palpatine, as always. Yeah, but that's that's kind of my overall intro thoughts. Milton, floor is yours, man. <clears throat> OK, um, overall. I liked the first episode really, 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 really much. I really enjoyed that first episode. Episode three, great. The best episode of the premiere, without any question. Episode two, I'm, a, I'm up and down about this one. And I agree with your points, Ben. I, I see what they were trying to do with it. And I'm sure it's going to tie into something later down the road, which we know it should because it's final season. I just... I know how episodes should try to bring a, uh, an audience up and down, you know, but I'm like, man, the way episode one ended, it's like, just keep building that momentum, which they, I kind of felt they did that in episode three, but episode two wasn't a filler, but it had a filler aspect. Like, mm -hmm. I very boring to me, but I understood why it was there. Again, I have to go back and probably rewatch it. That kind of was not invested in that episode mm -hmm. as much. However, it wasn't trash. Let's let's be clear. Um, overall, as a premiere for three episodes, it was a consistent premiere. I, I think it did its job to get us ready for the season. Um, I had issues with episode two, but it wasn't trash. And of course, my man Palpy, he comes back. I, I can listen to Ian McDermott talk about or talk like Palpatine all day and would have no issues with mm -hmm. it because the way he looks in this particular episode show he looked so good as palpatine like give me a palpatine miniseries at this point like he like what is he doing when he's not plotting the scheming which he's plotting the scheming all the time but it's like i want to see what he's doing when he's just chilling you know what i'm yeah. saying like, does he got a girl he's talking to on the side <laughs> is, is he well 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 millen according according to ian mcdermott himself this past week he said the emperor does get intimate with people i'm he does you know yeah he did say that <laughs> i'm sure he does and i'm sure he likes chicken wings so i'm just saying <laughs> drink chicken you eat chicken wings bro do you drink beer but i'm just being silly but for real for real like overall like palpatine is that dude and honestly that scientist what's his name again hemlock. dr hemlock dude he's an asshole but i i like him i don't know why like, oh I, I wish we had more of him yeah. last season like he's a great character such a fascinating character and it's like my god like where where did they how did Dave create this character and I hope we get to see him more throughout the season and I kind of hope he survives this show this show because I feel like he's that important to Palpatine's overall plan obviously which leads into Snoke um but yeah it's dude that character is fire Palpatine's dope this made me like Omega even more, which is crazy I'm saying that. Because I, I never was a huge fan of her, but I like her more in these particular episodes she was in. Oh, yeah. Well, 
Well, well, Milton, um, just to throw out there too for our um, our listeners, even in the, I'm not sure if you guys saw D. Bradley Baker talking about the show this past week, but he um, he actually talked about how you know when he was talking with like um, like Brad Rao and the people like obviously behind the scenes that work on the show that this the concept for like the Bad Batch is actually like Lucas's final George Lucas's final kind of project. Kind of for Lucasfilm. Obviously, he's not involved with it, but the 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 concept of the Bad Batch he was talking about um, is like a carryover from the Lucas era. Like Lucas had this kind of concept in mind, like a Bad Batch crew for the Clone Wars, and then you know, obviously, like they sold to Disney, whatever. So like they never got to it. So like um, like Baker was literally talking about it um, in an interview. I think it was with um, Collider or it was with one of the big bigger outlets. You know, he talked about how it was like one of the final carryovers from like the Lucas era, which like that's really cool just seeing like them continue um you know one of Lucas's ideas into animation like this. Oh yeah, it's 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 the legacy of Lucas that is just Clone Wars, these characters spun out of Clone Wars. So it is cool looking at it from from that perspective, um, to see the longevity of what his plans were like literally 10 years ago, he was selling off the company 10 years ago. It's crazy. Um, actually, no, sorry. 12 years ago, almost now it was 2012. Um, as far as for me, I I'll say the biggest thing I can take away from these three episodes is overall tone of the feeling of these episodes, the weight of it all, the weight of that first sequence in episode one, when you have just this this crashed ship going there and they're not sure what the heck is going on. These guys are getting picked off and then the surveillance team and Tantas are like, uh, they're, they're a lost cause. We're not going to send men out for them. They're, they're done. They're, so they're already built, like the way that they build, it kind of reminds me of Jurassic Park, right? It's like the velociraptor killing the, one of the guys that's handling like very dark at night. And it just... It leads to, oh my gosh, Tantus is a very dangerous location. We got a hint of it in prior seasons, but we are going full-fledged. This is a character in its own right. I love the location. I love seeing this indigenous creatures that live there. And even like um, like the whole thing with just the build-up, first and foremost, the music setting all that feeling of, oh crap, this is an evil place. This is a very evil place and and some of our favorite characters are stuck there the next mm -hmm. thing i i had to say i commended with this is the pacing especially of this first episode this is not your usual fare when it comes to animated especially with star wars it's very uppity usually a lot of blasters going off very colorful this is like the polar opposite you have a lot of very slow scenes that i really appreciated that for the for the creative team to have the trust in the audience to be like, these guys will stick with us with this episode. It's the third season, final season. We earned our trust at this point. Sure, we've had setbacks, but just trust us, guys. This is going to get good. And the whole idea of Omega kind of going through like a Groundhog Day-esque arc where it's like every day is the same. Every day is the same. And they cut back at the one point. She's got the longer hair, those more tick marks on the wall. It's like, I love seeing the passage of time for her captivity and this whole relationship with her and Emery Carve, like, is she really on her side? She's taking her doll away, but they're giving it away at the end. It's like, it, it's very interesting because that character has a lot of 
a lot of potential, I feel like. It's just like her sister as a clone. Um, and then the stuff with Crosshair is fantastic, too. Just seeing how she's not giving up on him, even though like he tried to kill her and all this crazy stuff. Like she, When it comes out that he's one of that she's one of them he's one of her and it's like they're all in this together trying to get out of this crazy place that's just torturing everybody and her relationship with nalsei her relationship with this little creature named thatcher like or, or whatever it's like there's a lot going on in that episode but when you look at it it's like well not much really happened but it's just again uh, i agree with milton i've never really been a fan of omega and to see how this this characterization has really mm-hmm. gone a lot more with this these these couple episodes. It's really got me on board with her. And yeah, I can see what you're saying, Milton, about that second episode. It's just like, okay, I think it's more or less to be like for the audience to be like, hey, don't forget about these guys. Don't forget that this is called the Bad Batch. It's not called Omega. We have our other heroes over here doing this mission. This is what they're trying to do in the meantime. So yeah, it might have not been the best placement, but I don't know if it really could have done a better job. It's just like, good thing it was in a three-episode arc, because if this episode came out on its own, I could definitely see a lot of people critiquing it, like, oh, we got this episode, it's not it's not as good as the others or something, but so it's a good thing they put them all together. And yeah, we'll, we'll spend a lot of time talking about that third episode, because there's so much to dive in with all that crazy force sorcery and and uh, alchemy and all this crazy stuff that i just love about star wars um but yeah that's my first salvo i really did enjoy and i feel like they they nailed it for for the first openers of this season yeah i i agree with everything you guys said about the premiere um again it um, is a good start i'm hopeful that this particular season will be consistent we have, we have what 12 more episodes left or something yep. like that. So, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping um, Dave and his crew, or no, he's not even the lead director this year. Who Who's the supervisor director? Some some chick. I forget her name. Um, but. Oh, no, remember. don't leave me hanging on this, man. Don't leave me I, hanging I, on this. Brad Rao and oh, Brad Rao and. Yeah. Jessica well, Corbett. I'm, I mean, D- Dave's obviously his handprints are all on this, but. I'm hoping that we are consistent this season because I think you don't want to lose momentum for a final season like this. We really want to flesh out, okay, what will happen with these clones? We don't, we don't see them in the continuity of the movies. We don't see them, you know, mentioned down the road. So it's like, okay, either they die or they go somewhere or something happens to them. I'm now curious about Omega because now that we know that the M count, she carries it. What does that look like? What does that look like for Palpatine? How does Palpatine stay invested to try to get this girl? Because you know damn well he needs her. Like, and he's not going to let her go. Even though the doctor's like, hey, let her go. We'll we'll find her. I got all the resources. Palpatine's going to be keeping his eye on this particular particular issue very closely. So I'm curious to see how they're going to use Palpatine this season. Because it would make sense if he's around a little bit more. Because this is his crown jewel of a project. This he even says it. This this will this will secure yep. the the empire. So you oh, know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I agree with you. I think I think Palpatine checks back in with Hemlock at least twice. I think it's going to be maybe somewhere in the middle and then the end of the season. Um, just because it's like, like you said, Milton, this is like the crown jewel of the empire for the project, and then it's so important because like 
of the implications of what they're testing. It's not just like a weapon or anything. They're literally testing like the M count, doing the whole, you know, clone body stuff, pretty much, you know, that sort of angle. Um, so it's just, it just makes you wonder, uh, also what they're doing. Cause like, like Palpatine obviously is looking at something, you know, when he's in, um, in yep. the vault. So, so the thing is, you know, is he looking at a Snoke? Is he looking at a, you know, his like, you know, weird clone of himself. That's his son. Because the thing is like timeline wise, like if a clone, you know, if a clone would perceive perceivably grow at like a normal human age or something like, you know, from here, from, from where this is, cause this is only shortly after, um, mm -hmm. episode three, I believe. So this would be enough time for the clone to grow and have Ray by the time they would have Ray. So like, maybe this is the beginning of the Palpatine clone, and they're doing these type of tests or something. Um, but yeah, like it just, it, it's, it's a really fascinating thing with all this Palpatine stuff because there are so many big implications and it's nice. Like, you know, say what you want about the sequels. It's nice. there. like, like, okay, don't get me wrong. The bad batch has been, has been, you know, it has its good moments and bad moments and whatever and in between, but like the show is doing good because like, I tip my hat to Lucasfilm on this whole thing with the Emperor and stuff because, you know, this is also them acknowledging, like, yo, we kind of messed up with some of the stuff we planned in the sequels, so we're just going to kind of backtrack it and, like, try to build it out as best we can. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you've seen that stuff in the comics and books and stuff, Chris, because you mm -hmm. really follow that stuff um, way, you know, way more than myself. But, like, you know, you see that in the comics and books. You see that now in this show. And, like... You know, they're they're kind of like laying the groundwork at least to make the sequels a little bit better and more valuable than where they were. Which, hey, hats off to them for like acknowledging that. So, so I really like that they're, you know, going in that direction. And this whole Palpatine thing is going to be interesting because by the end of it, you know, it's like, are they going to get like an Omega test or are they going to get to a point where Palpatine maybe checks back in and goes you know, screw it with that girl, like, we'll just figure out the cloning thing ourselves, blah, 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 or we'll find another Force-sensitive, blah, 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 like, something like that, or whatever. Um, like, it just, I think there's a lot of things that can get answered or, like, get kind of put on the table now that you have Palpatine as potentially a main player in this final season. Yeah, I was shocked. I'll be honest that they introduced Palpatine in the first couple episodes. I was I was hoping for like at least like a mid-season, but definitely by the end. But, you know, what you're saying, Ben, it leads some credence to like, okay, if they invited him in on this couple episodes, uh, maybe we'll see him again. As you said, this is an important part of the process. Now, I was looking this up because I can't remember every canon name, guys, but Dathan, Dathan is the Strandcast yep. son of Palpatine and Dathan actually was in the shadows of the Sith book and he was around during like the original trilogy like following the footsteps of Vader when Vader was on Exegol with uh, Ochi of Bestoon and stuff like that during Empire Strikes Back era so it would make a lot of sense if oh my gosh can you imagine if like they pan back and it's actually his son that's like being grown as a clone of him or something like that that would be that would be wild. But the thing is that we're missing. We're missing that series, that animated series that helps to flesh out the sequel trilogy. We got that with the Clone Wars. And the Clone Wars have strengthened up the prequels. And that's why you're seeing the prequels 
as more popular than ever right now with the fan base because that's why we're getting like the May the 4th viewing of Phantom Menace and all these celebration of the prequels. It wasn't that way when the prequels first came out. I'll tell you that right, right now. It's because of the Clone Wars and Filoni and George Lucas to really like strengthen the character of Anakin, Obi-Wan, Padme and, and the yeah. politics that was happening behind the line. So yeah, it's kind of weird how they haven't had a sequel trilogy version of that with the animated series, but it's cool to see that elements to strengthen that are happening as far back in this like just post prequel era show well, called the bad batch well chris just think how fire this would be if we finish up the bad batch and they're like hey guys we're gonna like continue to yeah, i guess they want to say continue to fix the sequels but um <laughs> but but how how great would it be something milton's been asking for what if they announced like hey we're gonna do a clone wars-esque five season thing of Han, Luke, and Leia ten years before the sequel trilogy, or five years before the sequel trilogy, or something, and have you know a young Kylo Ren and or a young um, Ben Skywalker, you know, and do that sort of thing. Like fans would respond so well to that, and like like um, you know, you know, the good thing is, I, I remember this point, and I'll never forget it. Like Christian Harloff bringing this up years ago. Like when it comes to Luke. The good thing is, like, when you have his fall from where Luke is, like, Luke acknowledges in the sequel trilogy that, you know, like, the whole, like, legend of Luke Skywalker, like, Luke the big Jedi of the galaxy, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, the way you can build up to that is you you, you could literally just do, like, an animated show like The Clone Wars, like you mentioned, Chris, and literally have Luke be the badass Luke we want. Because the thing is, like, like Harloff mentioned in his point he talked about years ago... The way you do it is you build Luke up to this awesome hero, and you know eventually they have to knock him off the perch. But the thing is, you build up his like Jedi arrogance, and the thing is that like Jedi arrogance and that sort of stuff is what the fans want. You know, like that's what people want. They wanted to see Luke like how he is in the Mandalorian. Like obviously Luke is like confident in Mando. I mean, look, you see how he you know kind of like flamboyantly you know like he crushes the dark troopers and all this stuff. Like you know just how he does it. You know, it's just he's flexing his power. So why not just give us that in an animated type thing like the Clone Wars? Like, I think, you know, they're really laying the groundwork for potential for something like that. Because, you know, like you mentioned, Chris, you have this stuff. They're tying in with the Rise of Skywalker and the sequels. Like, you know, what's next? Like, is it a Clone Wars-esque thing? So I think that's another thing like that people might be overlooking with this premiere is this could be laying the groundwork for future kind of like quote-unquote like sequel fixing shows that mm. people would enjoy yeah hey milton so what are your thoughts on this omega reveal you you mentioned yourself how they they didn't shoot down her and crosshair um because of the m count because that could be the piece of the puzzle that now say was being an ally on her side to be like she knew that this would be an issue she kept discarding the sample of her blood where do we go from here? Do we think that Omega is is evidently force sensitive? Do you think that the plot line, you know, could go forward with her, you know, somehow finding somebody, let's say, like an Asajj Ventress, to to tell her more about what this could mean for her? Are we seeing our first clone that could possibly harness the force in some way, sh uh, small or, or big? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Look, we, we all know the force isn't just predicated off of just a certain type of people. Anyone, as we've been told, anyone is capable of using the force. I mean, it connects us, it binds us, it brings the galaxy together. We've been told that since day mm -hmm. one. Whether you're a clone or 
of someone who was born naturally, you have the ability to tap into your Metacorian account. Um, I think this is where Asajj Ventures could come into play, especially when if if um, if Omega starts showing her force potential. Like, let's say she starts tapping into her feelings or moving things with her mind, you know, like like Ray was in, in the movies. If she starts doing that, she that can probably scare her. And be like, okay, what is this? I don't understand this. I need to find a teacher or I need to find someone who understands this. And then boom, Ventures pops up. She's like, oh my God. And you know how very naive she is, uh, Omega. She's going to think, oh, this person can teach me. So that, that's a possibility. This also makes me think of Grogu in the sense of, okay, something must have happened to Omega to make Grogu that important of a character. Because clearly the Empire needed him for this particular project also. Uh, so my thing that's is... That's a good point. Yeah. yeah my, so does Omega, again, I'm just speculating, does she get away eventually? Do they capture her? Do they test her? Does she die because of what happens? Or And then, obviously, what leads up to making Groku that priority to the Empire? Because, again, he was part of this project as well, as we saw in, what, season two, I think, of yes. Mando? Yeah. So, you, you just like you said, Ben, earlier about connecting this with the sequels and everything, this is perfect, because now we connect not only to the sequels, we're connecting this to mandalorian which is obviously 30 or 20 some years later down the road so or no actually almost 40 some years later down the road so it's like yeah like yeah it's crazy i don't know it's it's pretty dope i i, I hope we get something I, i'm just curious to see how they're going to explain this season and how it's all going to play out because i honestly don't want to know what happens like i don't want to pay attention to spoilers i'm excited that she's potentially force sensitive i don't want her to be a jedi per se but I'm glad to see that, okay, Omega, is. this is why she's now important. Now, from episode one of season one, we now see, okay, this is why she was that valuable from day one. Right, we've been getting the notion that maybe she did have some kind of extra capabilities, right? Like, you look at uh, Clone Force 99, every single one of those guys has a unique trait, and she's just like a young girl, right? It's like... Well, what's her deal? Well, she's kind of cut from the same cloth as these guys, but why hasn't anything presented itself yet? And, you know, this is season three of a final season. Is it a little, little too late? You know, too little too late for like, oh, they're going to start exploring this concept with only 12 episodes left. That's what worries me is like, but then again, that's what excites me because let's say this is just the tip of the iceberg and that's where a future series could be placed with her maybe a couple of years down the road, still in the dark times, but more of a focus on surviving Jedi that can be in part of a group called, let's say, uh, The Path from Obi-Wan with Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress kind of shepherding her around. Maybe Cal Kessler shows up in that timeline. I'm just kind of speculating irresponsibly at this point, but I mean, that's where my head was is like, okay, this... This is getting introduced now. There's, we're definitely not going to get enough resolution um, because they still have to deal with all the other stuff with the clones in general to really focus too much on her. Because remember, this is, when it comes down to it, a, an ensemble. It's not just a ca one character. It's an ensemble story. So they, they don't have as much time to focus on, on this significant thing. I mean, I could be wrong. But yeah, Ben, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this particular thing with Omega, how you felt with this reveal and all that. Yeah, I mean, I thought the real the re <clears throat> excuse me the reveal was significant just because, like you said, it opens up the door for okay. So you have the potential for the force because the thing is, you know, if you think about it this way, so Omega 
like in my opinion, I think if she does have the force, it's not because of the past seasons. I think it's directly because of the M count injection. Because, you know, like if you think about it this way, the reason like they're doing the testing, like let's just say that is Dathan or another clone or whatever. The reason they're doing the testing is because they're testing to see if they're viable to like pretty much access, like to be able to, you know, have enough midichlorians to access the force. Like if Palpatine's spirit would transfer over there, you know, they would want to make sure the midichlorians would work or you just have Palpatine in a human body. So the thing is to me, like for one, it's like, all right, where are we getting the the M count injections from? You know, you presume they they're probably from Palpatine um, because like, you know, why else would why, you know, who else is blood? Would they be testing? So I think it would be Palpatine's blood, like injecting into Omega. And I think, like I said, it's kind of like testing to see if, cause you know, she is a clone. So it's kind of testing to see if the clone can survive getting injected with, you know, say Palpatine's level of midichlorians. Like, you, you know, the famous thing from George was like, you know, Vader, if he would have been fully healthy, he would have been twice as powerful as Palpatine. But, you know, when he's cut up, he, Vader's like 80% of Palpatine. So Palpatine's strong, obviously, in the Force. So it would kind of presume you to believe maybe eventually later in this season, since Omega bit, pretty much got, I guess, injected with the ability to access the Force, potentially, maybe we'll see her access the Force, maybe in like the finale or like the you know the the um, the lead up to the finale or something like the fi- the final two three episodes, but I think it's potentially more something like that where it's like, you know, you're getting injected with something to help you access that ability because like that's the point of this whole cloning thing is to see if the clones mm-hmm. can survive it. So I think it's going to be more kind of along those lines where if she accesses the force. I think it's going to be late in this season, like episode 13, 14, 15, like that type of range. Mm. Yeah, it's it's. I'm not quite sure it's clear enough to me how they're doing this experiment. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna get a lot more clarity on what the heck. I mean, we're definitely gonna get the clarity right now. We're just we're speculating, right? We're we're like, oh my gosh, who's who's the guy on the other side of the curtain? What's this? What's that? That that's so much fun as a Star Wars fan. I mean, I I speak for myself with like I live for the the theories and and stuff like this. This is always so much fun. The only reason why one of the reasons why I love Game of Thrones back in the day is just like, hey, we're theorizing what's gonna happen with this character, what's going on here, and I'm getting that from my Star Wars, which is which is a, a great thing. Um, yep. But yeah, I kind of wanted to start wrapping up this discussion. Uh, we'll finish it off as we always do, given our final thoughts and our score out of 10. I'm going to throw it over to Milton first. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think this premiere <clears throat> did its job in setting up what the season could be. Obviously, it's the final season, so my hope is that it's a consistent season where we get <clears throat> a little to no filler. But also, if we do get those, I wouldn't want to say down episodes, there's more those episodes where it brings the audience down to reset for the next particular storyline. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that, as long as it's content <clears throat> and it keeps me invested. Overall, I thought this premiere was solid. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely pointing into the right direction. I love seeing Omega. I, I feel like the way they have her character this season, you get to see how much 
of the Bad Batch has really influenced her mindset. She's always now pushing forward. Mm. She really doesn't get down per se. She's always trying to find a way to escape. Um, she's all, she, she cares for her people. She cares for her brothers. It's nice to see that they made her consistent and that she's learned a lot from her brothers. So overall, I thought this was a good premiere. Love the music. Love the action. Um, love the way the show overall looked. I, mm. I, I mean, I think they've upgraded this particular season very much. I mean, in, in little in little ways, you can tell, but it looks great. I, I never can complain about the animation. So overall, to score this out of 10, I'd say this is a solid 8.75. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the visuals, Bill, and I, I agree with you. Like, sometimes crazy maybe for me to say is like i kind of forget what medium i'm watching i just realize i'm watching a really good star wars story whether it be live mm -hmm. action or animation that the barrier has come down i'm so invested in the characters the dialogue the voice acting uh, michelle ang D, D bradley baker e mcdermott these guys uh sorry i forget the name of the voice actor for hemlock but these guys are elevating this medium when it comes to just the performances. Um, I feel like the animation with the facial performances also really helps with the extra bit of detail. Um, so yeah, I definitely wanted to, thanks for bringing that up because I almost forgot, obviously, we're, we're watching something, but we have to talk about how good it looks, right. you know? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and you, you, do bring up, you bring up a good point about the voice acting. And, and I know it's funny, you know, let's say 15, 20 years ago, if, if we'd have been watching a, a cartoon show and reviewing it, people would have been like, you guys are idiots, you're freaking nerds, you're losers, blah, blah, blah. And you'd be like, wait a minute. Now, a lot of these animations are way better than live action stuff that's out on TV mm. or, or, or streaming. So you can definitely tell creators make the intent to make these animated shows just as good of, as, as a live action. And the way they write them is like watching a live action. It's just animated. So I, I love it. I love that it can be consistent from one medium to the other, especially in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, as far as me, I really thought this was a strong, a strong star. I'll echo a lot with what Milton says. Yeah, I know. We haven't seen Echo yet, but I'm, I'm waiting to see him, guys. I can't wait to see him in Rex. But uh, aside from that, I thought this was a great way uh, to start the season. And it does stuff different. As I said, it feels a lot more mature. It feels a lot darker. I'm really digging the tone. It's it's taking risk with the audience that is going to pay off with these slow starts, these somber kind of feelings of, yeah, exactly. This isn't for kids anymore. This is like an adult animated series. We didn't talk about the action. I feel like the action sequences of the breakout, right? Just the idea that Omega and Crosshair got out already in the first three episodes, that just leaves the door wide open for wait, what the heck is going to happen on these next 12 episodes? I think we're going to come back to Exegol. And, uh, you know, just like Ben, you're saying, like, just so, so much potential with, okay, what is going to happen with the future of these characters, the clones? We don't see the clones anymore. This is the story of where we go with that. So, yeah, keep it short and simple. Really, really enjoyed it. Lots of great character time, uh, moments, everything like that. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I mean, I can echo a lot of your both of your guys' points. Like, for me, it was a really good premiere overall. Like, the action, the storytelling. It was great seeing the fans give the Kiner Brothers love. Because, like, I saw them, the Kiner Brothers were really tweeting the other day. Um, like, they were, you know, they were tweeting how happy they were. Fans enjoyed 
you know, their music in the first few episodes because they were like, I saw the Kiner brothers were literally trending on, on Twitter for a little bit there on Wednesday morning. And so it, it was cool getting to see them. Uh, it was cool getting to see like them, the music getting acknowledged like that. And of course, like you guys mentioned, the visuals um, look really good. The implications for the overall story, whether it be like in season for this show or even like the wider scope of the galaxy, um, you know, you have those sorts of things. And then even like I mentioned, you know, if you're a Legends fan, you can appreciate this because it's like, hey, we would have never thought we would have seen Mount Tantus be on screen before. So, you know, it's just it's just a lot of good built up, I think, with this series uh, or with this opening to the season so far. So for me, I would give it a 8.8. And also to note, so when it comes to this show, I believe the next two part episode is six and seven, I believe. So basically, like my view on on some of these um episodes coming up, it's like, you know, it's like kind of like your sports analogy, Milton. It's like, OK, we got two episodes until the next two parter. So we know the two parter is probably going to be really good. We know that for most likely that's like a 90 percent shot. So basically, we just got to get through these next two weeks like we got to go one and one, ideally two and oh, but like we got to at least have one good and one medium minimum. So like, so like that, that's all I'm asking for out of the Bad Batch is like, just give me ideally two good episodes the next two weeks, at least one of two good episodes. So like, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic based on the opening premiere. Like, I think we, sh we, there's a chance we'll be able to get two really good episodes back to back and at minimum, we'll probably get one. So it's, it's good to know we have kind of like kind of milestones built in where these multi-part episodes are laying like we can just be like okay gotta get through the two weeks and see what <laughs> happens <laughs> oh man i i have strong confidence these single episode weeks are yep. going to be just as insightful hopefully as 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 this episode was uh we actually have a score in a chat skywalker's academy is giving us a nine hundred and sixty-six thousand five hundred and three out of ten is the overall score for the bad batch so there we go we got a very happy camper with skywalkers academy yeah um so it's been a great great discussion here uh for the evening and you guys can expect this every single week going forward except i will be taking we'll be taking a week off towards the end of march because i'll be at a convention um but then we'll just double back and we'll do a double episode review or whatever it is the next week but other than that yeah you guys can catch us here every sunday at 7 p.m eastern Thank you, everybody, for watching along in the live stream. And like I said off the top, you can always watch or listen to this after the fact. Uh, just look up Outer Rim Transmission on YouTube and on any podcast app of your choice. We're going to throw it over to Milton. Uh, you can plug your stuff, Milton. Yeah, uh, you guys can find me on X at MiltonWeber7 or Instagram at Milton7Weber. Um, just hopefully it's a good week this week. Looking forward to... Um, Obviously, the next episode of Bad Bats, but hopefully just a good chill week during the work week because, you know, adulting's overrated, um, but hopefully it's a chill week. And I think this is what the second full week without football right now. So that kind of sucks. But sad times. Yeah. Yeah. But the draft is going to be here in a couple months. So I'm looking forward to get back into the football groove and obviously the spring and summer getting here. So, yeah, hopefully everyone's healthy and, you know, you guys are enjoying the podcast. Yeah, I mean, as kids, we're always like, oh, let's hurry up and grow up. Like, I can't wait to be an adult so I don't have to follow my parents' rules all the time and I can do what I want. 
And we realize, oh, it's not all cracked up to be when you actually reach reach adulthood. So there you have it. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, I can echo those points. And uh, yeah, for anybody wanting to chat about the NFL or actually not really the NFL because that doesn't that's not happening for a while, like Milton said. But you can find me on X at Real Ben Maynard talking mostly Star Wars right now, Star Wars and Avatar and some of this. Um, you know, fun nerd pop culture stuff to talk about. And then you can find me on Instagram as well at Real Ben Maynard. I'm just getting back into a good groove on my diet and fitness and stuff. And, you know, hit a 15 pound down marker. So that's, it's good. Still got a ways to go, but I'm just uh, chipping away at it. And it's just good to be in a nice, good groove of things. So I, I'm excited to get back into working out tomorrow. Excited. All right, yeah, it's good to have you back up to up to full capacity here, Ben. You're out of the weather for a few days, but you you still managed to come in here and do the podcast. So you're a trooper. We appreciate you for for doing that. Um, as far as me, um, you guys can find me in a couple of different places. You can find me, of course, right here on the YouTube channel. If you're already watching and you haven't subscribed, why haven't you subscribed yet? Go ahead, subscribe. Hit the bell icon and all that good stuff on YouTube that everybody tells you to do. That way, you'll know when we go live, which is every Sunday again at 7 p.m. Eastern. You can find us on the podcast. Um, earlier in the week, I actually put up kind of a little... I, I got into my little groove of doing those little companion videos once again to Star Wars content. So I have like a big video about, oh my gosh, my first reaction to, to finally confirmation of her maybe being Force-sensitive. So I got that on the channel you could check out, as I alluded to off the top of the show. Me and Matthew Nugabauer sit down every Wednesday night over on the Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel for our Tractor Beam live show where we go over every week's comics in more uh, depth and uh, detail there. So check that out. And I am currently working on my next little blog post over on starraptor.substack.com. I hope to have that out this upcoming week. And uh, yeah, very much looking forward to the talk next week. But for everybody in the chat, for Milton, for Ben, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Staraptor, this was Outer Rim Transmission, episode 142. Be safe, be well. Hope that everybody have a good week and may the force be with you always in transmission.